Would you please bow your heads and join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to come to you. Uh, Lord, we do want to come to your altar today. Uh, Lord, we want to bow our knees before you. We want to humble ourselves before you because you truly are a holy God. Lord, I thank you so much that you give us that invitation to come to you. And I pray that everyone watching this broadcast would come to you today. And I pray for anyone who has not yet made that decision to accept you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation. That today would be the day that they bow their knee and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life and I will follow you until I breathe my last and you call me home to heaven. Lord, help us to come to you. And I pray that you would receive us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for our online service. A few announcements I wanted to share with you today. As a reminder, we are back to having live in-person services every Sunday morning. We're meeting outdoors at our George Boulevard location. The address is 17746 George Boulevard. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday at either 8 o'clock or 9.30 for one of our outdoor services. It's a blessing. We've got uh, some misters that we've installed and uh, also so making sure that we keep it nice and cool and comfortable uh, for those services as best as possible. And uh, next week, we've got a special treat. Alan Schwartz will be preaching for us. And so hope you'll join us for one of those uh, in-person services next week, 8 or 9.30. And as always, we'll be continuing these online services at 10 a.m. So please help spread the word. And speaking of spreading the word, we've got these handy-dandy new yard signs that we just printed up this last week that advertise our outdoor live services. There are a lot of people these days who feel a bit uncomfortable with an indoor worship service. And so we think we're meeting a big need in our community by offering outdoor services each Sunday. Having wide open spaces and the fresh movement of air is a wonderful way to worship the Lord in person together. So if you'd like one for your yard, these are free of charge. Just swing by our church office any day this week, Monday through Friday. We'd love to get one to you so you can help invite your neighbors to join us either online at 10 a.m. or one of our live outdoor services at 8 or 9.30. I'm really excited. This last week I had a chance to meet with the CEO of the Victorville Fairgrounds, and also we met with the director of the Victor Valley Rescue Mission. Our backpack outreach, I'm happy to tell you, is back on schedule. And so we are going to be having our big backpack giveaway on Thursday, July 30th from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. at the Victorville Fairgrounds. It'll be a drive-in backpack giveaway this year. People will just pull in with their vehicles, with their kids in the car, and we'll be able to give backpacks uh, to low-income kids in our community. So we're excited to give away over a 1,000 backpacks at our drive-in backpack giveaway on July 30th. If you'd like to donate uh, to the purchase of the backpacks and the school supplies that will go in them, simply write a check to Impact and just put a backpack on the memo line. Uh, We'd love to accept more donations to help pay for these. It's about a $15,000 investment to buy these 1,000 backpacks and fill them with school supplies for the kiddos. So if you'd like to be a part of that, thank you in advance for your donation. And if you'd like to give just a tither offering today, remember there are three different ways that you can give. Uh, You can simply write a check to Impact Christian Church and mail it to our P.O. Box, which is P.O. Box 2891, Victorville, California, 92393. 
free. Or you can uh, give online at greaterimpact.cc forward slash donate. Or you can text to give. Simply text any dollar amount uh, to uh, two. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm getting this number wrong today. 84321. That's once again, text any dollar amount to 84321. Thank you in advance for your generous giving. It's a blessing to be able to support the great work that the Lord is doing through Impact Christian Church. Well, I hope you have your bread and juice ready because we're going to take communion together. On the night that Jesus was arrested and betrayed, he broke bread one last time with his disciples before he went to the cross. And he took that bread and he broke it. And as he held that piece in his hand, he said, This represents my body that is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the meal, Jesus took the wine or the grape juice and he said, This represents my blood of the new covenant that is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for the blessing of being yours. Thank you, Lord for paying the price so that we could be adopted into your family. Lord, we pray that you would forgive us for anything we've done this last week that was displeasing to you. And we pray, O God, that we would serve you faithfully, more faithfully this week, with our words, with our actions, and even with our thoughts. Help us to bring glory to you and to spread your word and your good news to those around us who desperately need to hear it. May we continue to proclaim your death and resurrection until that day comes that you call us home to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Catherine Lee Bates, who penned the words to the song America the Beautiful, was born in Cape Cod, Massachusetts in 1859. She spent her childhood years just a stone's throw from the Atlantic. But as a young adult, she branched out a bit. She became a professor of English literature at Wellesley College, At the age of 34, she made a lecture trip to Colorado where she was blown away by the beautiful scenery. Here's how she described it. She said, quote, We strangers celebrated the close of the session by a merry expedition to the top of Pikes Peak, making the ascent by prairie wagons, their tailboards emblazoned with the traditional slogan, Pikes Peak or Bust, were pulled by horses up to the halfway point, where the horses were relieved by mules. We were hoping for half an hour on the summit, but two of our party became so faint in the thin air that we were bundled into wagons again and started on our downward plunge. It was then and there, as I was looking out over the sea-like expanse of fertile country spreading away so far under those ample skies that the opening lines of the hymn floated into my mind. O beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountain majesties above the fruited plain. America, America, God shed His grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. On July 4th, 1895, Catherine Bates' poem, America the Beautiful, was first published in a weekly newspaper uh, called The Congregationalist. 
and she made revisions and additions to that poem over the next 18 years. For several years, America the Beautiful uh, was sung to any tune that the lyrics would fit into. For several years, one of the most common tune that it was sung to was the tune Owd Long Sign, which is the New Year's song. If you don't believe me, listen to this. America, America, God shed His grace on thee, and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. And so they would take this poem and sing it to any number of different melodies, but finally they chose the one that stuck. It was written in 1882 by Samuel Augustus Ward, a church organist from New Jersey. And that is the tune we know today that's always sung with that song, America the Beautiful. Well, this upcoming Saturday is July 4th, Independence Day. And even though residents of Victorville and Atalanto have been setting off fireworks pretty much every night for the last month and a half, the truth is many Americans are not sure that there's much to celebrate this Saturday about America. Many of our neighbors aren't quite so sure if America really is beautiful. Many believe that America is actually quite ugly. And so what we're going to do over the next few minutes is open the pages of God's Word and see what God has to say about our nation and what God has to say about what He is calling you and me to do in the days to come in response to where our nation is today. And so many people are yelling in our ears and complaining about our nation and griping about our nation. And so we have hundreds of different voices that are rattling in our ears. And so we're going to cut through those hundreds of voices today and hear the most important voice, the voice of God. So you make sure you have your Bibles in hand. We'll look at a few scriptures together today. I'm calling today's message, America the Beautiful. Please be with me in God's Word. The first passage that we'll look at in just a moment is in Psalm chapter 33. So it's just about in the middle of your Bible, Psalm chapter 33, and in a moment we'll look at verse 12. The United States of America has long been called the land of opportunity. Over the past 244 years, millions of immigrants from around the world have found their way uh, into one of our ports of entry, wanting to become an American. Every year, around 900,000 immigrants become citizens of the United States of America. We're actually number one in the world as far as immigrants becoming citizens. In fact, the United States has more than four times as many foreign-born citizens as any other country in the world. So which, I think, begs the question, why? Why do so many people want to come to America? Why do so many people want to immigrate here? Why do so many people want to become U.S. citizens? If what the talking heads at CNN are telling us is true, then nobody should want to come here, right? Because we're pretty much told every day that our president is a racist and a xenophobe. Uh, We're pretty much told every day that our government and our justice system are steeped in institutional racism. We're told that our law enforcement is corrupt. So why would so many people from Mexico and Central America and the Middle East and Africa want to come here if our nation is that messed up? Maybe they didn't get the memo. 
why would so many want to come here? Well, if America is as bigoted as some people say it is, then immigration should be heading, immigrants really should be heading for the hills, I would think, but they're not. They're still coming in groves. And so, what's happening? America continues to be a magnet for people from all around the world. It continues to be a magnet for people seeking freedom from persecution because of their religion or because of their ethnicity or because of their social status. While most countries around the world have been stifling freedoms, America is actually increasing them. We've been expanding them. We have, of course, freedom of speech, something we take for granted. Many countries don't have that. We have freedom of religion. Many countries don't have that. We started our nation because uh, the Church of England was having uh, a strong pull on the King of England. And so there was a church-sponsored religion. And and so our nation uh, was founded with this idea that we have a freedom to speak as we choose and a freedom to worship God as we choose. We also have the freedom of press. We have the freedom to bear arms. We have the freedom to vote. We have the freedom to be given a fair trial by a, a jury of our peers. These are wonderful freedoms that probably most people on the earth don't have. And so people come here seeking life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Few countries can match the freedoms we have in this country to pursue these freedoms. And in addition, as many of us know, we have economic opportunities and freedoms that most people don't have around the world. So, we are just six days away from Independence Day. Just six days away from the 4th of July. And I'd like you to consider with me how blessed we are to live in this country, the United States of America. Our founding fathers recognized that our freedoms and opportunities in life uh, aren't given to us by man. They understood that our freedoms and opportunities are given to us by God. He has given them to us, and he can certainly take them away from us. He gives, and he can take away. So over the next few minutes, we're going to open God's word together and discover why God has blessed our nation so much and what we must do to maintain that blessing. Sound like a plan? All right, we'll have those Bibles handy. We're going to look at our first scripture, Psalm chapter 33, verse 12. Notice what it says. Psalm 33, 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his Inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. This word blessed is a translation of the Hebrew word esher, which can be translated as happy or blessed. But it's actually a plural form of the word, so more literally it would be translated as happinesses or blessednesses. Happinesses or blessednesses. Now, I want you to keep this in mind. When the psalmist writes, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, he is saying that when a nation takes hold of the Lord God, the people of that nation will be in the midst of happinesses. He's saying that the citizens of a nation who take hold of the Lord will be in the midst of happinesses. He's saying that the people will be in a very desirable, a very enviable position. Doesn't that sound like America? Would you recognize and, and realize that people from around the world look to us as being a privileged people, being a, a people who are in an enviable position, being citizens of the United States of America? 
Over the past 244 years, Americans have enjoyed many happinesses and many blessednesses, and there's no doubt that we as a nation have been in a very desirable position, particularly when we've compared ourselves to other nations. In our economic situation has been, for the most part, much better than most nations around the world. Our opportunities for freedom, expression of speech and religion and the press, as we already talked about, all of those opportunities have placed us in a very desirable position. Why has our country been in this good and desirable position? And the answer is because God has given it to us. Our nation has been in a desirable position because God has placed us in a desirable position. He's given us a a desirable position because for the better part of that 244 years of our nation's history, we have proclaimed God as our Lord. And remember it says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Many Americans like to argue that the United States has never been a Christian nation, uh, but that's only partly true. You see, uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, our founding fathers never intended to set up an official state-sponsored church. It's one of the reasons we came here from England, because we didn't want to have a state-sponsored church. We wanted people to be able to worship according to their conscience and worship God as they best understood it from the pages of Scripture. And so we do have this freedom of religion, the freedom to worship God as we choose. But make no mistake about it, the majority of our founding fathers were committed Christians. And the majority of our founding fathers really wanted American citizens to be able to pray to God, to be able to read God's word and learn his word, and be able to worship together with other believers. And so, in a sense, it's true that we weren't a Christian nation because we didn't have a Christian state-sponsored religion. But at the same time, the foundations of our nation, uh, they were laid by Christian men. And the foundations were, more than any other uh, source, grounded in Scripture. And so our founding fathers so much wanted America to be a great nation. And they understood that in order for America to be a great nation, it had to be a good nation. And in order for America to be a good nation, it had to have good people that were carrying out biblical morality, living out God's commands in Scripture, and worshiping Him as we read in the pages of Scripture. Our founding fathers wanted American citizens to submit to the authority of Almighty God. They wanted the American people to be a God-fearing people, a Bible-reading people, a praying people, and a church-going people. They knew that if this nation was blessed, it would be blessed because God blessed it. So our founding fathers wanted America's government and America's citizens to submit to the authority of God and also to the authority of His Word. So important. They understood well. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Amen? Let me give you another scripture that's equally important. It's in Psalm chapter 144. So go ahead and turn over to Psalm 144. I want you to look at verse 15 with me in just a moment. And then we'll read the ten verses leading up to that as well. So Psalm 144 verse 15. This will sound familiar to you because it's very similar to what we just read in Psalm 33 verse 12. Psalm 144 15 says, Blessed are the people of whom this is true. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. It turns out that in the prior ten verses, David, King David, who wrote this psalm, he reveals five specific blessings 
that God brings to nations whose God is the Lord. And I don't want you to miss these blessings today. So Psalm 144, I'm going to go back 10 verses and start in verse 5. And this is what we read. Part your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they, they smoke. Send forth lightning and scatter the enemies. Shoot your arrows and rout them. Reach down your hand from on high. Deliver me and rescue me from the mighty waters, from the hands of foreigners whose mouths are full of lies, whose right hands are deceitful. I will sing a new song to you, O God. On the ten-string lyre, I will make music to you. To the one who gives victory to kings, who delivers his servant David from the deadly sword. Deliver me and rescue me from the hands of foreigners whose mouths are full of lies, whose right hands are deceitful. Then our sons in their youth will be like well-nourished plants, and our daughters will be like pillars carved to adorn a palace. Our barns will be filled with every kind of provision. Our sheep will increase by thousands, by tens of thousands in our fields. Our oxen will draw heavy loads. There will be no breaching of walls, no going into captivity, no cry of distress in our streets. Blessed are the people of whom this is true. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. So what does a God-blessed nation look like, according to King David? Once again, he, he shares five things, five blessings that are part of God's response to a nation whose God is the Lord. Let's quickly look at these five blessings that God grants to a nation that calls him Lord and obeys him as Lord. Blessing number one, victory in battle. We find that in verses six and seven. When God blesses a nation, it says enemies are scattered and God's people are delivered. That's the first blessing, victory in battle. A blessing number two, songs of victory. David points that out in verse nine. There will be many songs of victory when God is blessing a nation. Uh, blessing number three is freedom from foreign oppression. We see that in verse 10. Uh, there won't be foreign nations constantly oppressing God's people as they serve him and follow him as a nation. Blessing number four, strong and healthy children. I'm a father of four. I like that one a lot. We see that in verse 12. Strong and healthy children are one of the blessings that come to a nation whose God is the Lord. And then finally, blessing number five, plenty of food. Barns filled uh, with the uh, crops of the land and, and uh, the cattle and the sheep and, and, and the farm animals are in abundance because God is making sure that there are pr- plenty of provisions for his people who are obeying him and, and following his word. Now, one of the tremendous values of the Old Testament to us is we can go and we can look at over a thousand years of Jewish history, looking at how God treated nations that obeyed him and followed him as their Lord and how he treated nations that turned their backs on him and abandoned him as Lord. We've got these wonderful case studies in the Old Testament of these very blessings Uh, being given to nations that followed and obeyed him, and these blessings being taken away from those who didn't. There's a mountain of evidence in this Bible that if the United States of America is a nation where both its leaders and its citizens worship God and obey his laws, God will bless the United States of America. Amen? There's plenty of evidence in God's word that if we follow the Lord and obey his Lord, and he truly is Lord of this land, He will bless us. But if our leaders and our citizens cease to worship God and ignore his laws, 
God's hand of blessing will be removed from this great nation. I think the scriptures speak very clearly to that. So we need to ask and answer the question, where are we today? Where are we today? Well, as we consider these five characteristics, these five blessings of a a nation that God blesses, it's clear that over the past 244 years, God has blessed our nation a lot. Amen? He sent a lot of blessings our way. We have won most of our battles. Remember, that was blessing number one. We've won a lot of most of our battles. Uh, we've had to deal uh, with uh, very little foreign oppression. Our, our younger generations have been strong and healthy. We've had plenty to sing about. All of these blessings we've seen come our way over the past 244 years since that great year, uh, 1776. Uh, we've won most of these battles. We've seen very little oppression. God has blessed us with food and crops and all of these things. Plenty of songs to sing. You would agree, wouldn't you, with me, that God has blessed our nation in a whole lot of ways? Amen? God has blessed the United States of America. Which leads us to one more verse that I want to share with you today. This verse is so important. It's Proverbs chapter 13, verse 34. So if you're there in Psalms, turn to the next book to the right. It's the book of Proverbs. Look at Proverbs 13, verse 34. This is such an important verse uh, for us uh, at this point in time in the life of our nation. Proverbs 13, 34 says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Say that with me. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Remember that the word righteousness, when it's used in the Bible, is just a fancy word for rightness. Righteousness is simply rightness. So God's word makes it clear that there is such a thing as right and there is such a thing as wrong. Many people today believe that there are no absolutes. There's no absolute truth. The Bible says, "Uh uh-uh. There absolutely are absolute truths. There is some absolutely right things in God's view and some absolutely wrong things in God's view. And so we ask ourselves the question, is our nation doing what is right? Or, you know, what what are we doing that's wrong? Are we doing what's right? Are we doing what's wrong? And the answer is both. We're doing many things that are right, but at the same time, we're doing many things in God's eyes that are wrong. Let's start with what we're doing that is right. Let's go back and look at the last 70 years or so in our nation, going back to uh, about 1960, okay? So let's go back about 60, 70 years. So 1950, 1960 and on. So if you look back in 1964, something I think that happened in 1964 that was very pleasing to God was the passing of the Civil Rights Act. The Civil Rights Act of 1964 did away uh, with the racist Jim Crow laws, and I think that's something that God celebrated. That is something that a nation whose God is, is the Lord should definitely do. So that was a wonderful blessing. That's a bright spot over the last 60 to 70 years. But that wasn't the only bright spot. 1989, uh, the fall of the communist USSR, which we had a hand in. That's something I believe God celebrated. Communism is one of the most wicked forms of government that was ever created. And so praise God for that, the fall of the Soviet Union in 1989. In recent decades, we as a nation have sent billions of dollars in aid to uh, poverty-stricken 
countries around the world, countries like Afghanistan and Ethiopia and Kenya and uh, closer to home, uh, the island of Haiti. And so uh, we've been blessing a lot of nations that were impoverished and blessing nations when they had disasters that uh, were overwhelming them. And so I think God is deeply pleased uh, for the generosity of our nation and helping those that are poor and downtrodden around the world. So there have been many things we've done in the past 70 years or so that are very right. But sadly, during these same 60 to 70 years, uh, there has been a growing number of our nation's leaders and our, our fellow citizens who have chosen to push God aside and do what is corrupt and evil and disgraceful in his eyes. I'll give you a few examples. In 1962, prayer was removed from public schools. That's a disgrace. In 1963, the year after prayer was removed, uh, scripture reading was removed from public school classrooms. That too is a disgrace. Are you serious? Removing God's word from schools? Uh, That was a, a ridiculous and wicked decision. In 1973, one of the most disgraceful decisions, I believe, in the history of our Supreme Court was made. In 1973, the year I was born, uh, that's when Roe v. Wade was passed in our Supreme Court, making uh, abortion on demand legal through all 50 states in the Union. And so since that time, since Roe v. Wade uh, passed, we have aborted over uh, 63 million babies in the United States. Isn't that crazy? Over the last 47 years, we've aborted 63 million babies. That's more than the combined populations of California, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, and New Mexico. That is a travesty. That is a disgrace. In the 1970s, no-fault divorce laws passed throughout the nation that resulted in a lot more divorces in the United States. In 1980, the Ten Commandments were taken out of classrooms. In 2015, a gay marriage was legalized in all 50 states in the nation. These are just a few examples of the disgraceful things we have been doing over the last 60 to 70 years. Our nation and our leaders have continued to sing God Bless America, but at the same time, our actions have to a large extent said, God, we don't want anything to do with you. We don't want you in America. We don't want you or your word in our schools. We don't want you or your word in our courthouses. Uh, We don't want you or your word in our government. We don't care what you say in the Bible about unborn babies. If they're inconvenient, we're going to kill them. And you can't say anything about it. If we don't like who we're married to, I don't care what the Bible says about divorce. I'm going to divorce my spouse if I feel like it. If we're sick and tired of them, I'm going to get a divorce. If we don't like what you have to say in the Bible about fornication and homosexuality, who cares? We're not paying attention to what you say in your word about fornication or homosexuality. We're going to have sex with who we want to have sex with, and we're going to marry whoever we darn well want to marry. That's pretty much been our attitude in many of these important moral issues that God speaks about very clearly in His Word. We don't really care what God thinks about what we do to a very large extent. And so we as a nation have become so arrogant. We as a nation have really been doing much that is disgraceful in God's eyes. So if our nation continues in its arrogance... And if our nation continues in its rebellion and refuses to repent, then we should fully expect 
that in the days to come, God will completely remove his hand of blessing from the United States of America in much the same way that he removed his hand of blessing from Old Testament Israel when they were doing much the same thing that we've been doing. Turning our backs on God, stopping the, re- stopping the reading of his word, stopping the prayers to him, and engaging in whatever form of wickedness and sin and corruption that they wanted to. Remember what it says in Joshua, in those days everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That describes America pretty well today, doesn't it? Most people are just doing what is right in their own eyes. If we continue to go on this path of disregarding God's word and doing what is disgraceful in his eyes, then we will see these five blessings removed. If we continue going during the, down this downward spiral of sin in this nation, we can fully expect that our military will begin losing more battles. America has the strongest military force in the world, but that won't matter if God isn't blessing us. If we don't repent, then we should expect an increase in foreign oppression by China and other nations. If we do not repent and turn back to God and have Him as the Lord of this nation, we should fully expect that our health and the health of our kids and grandkids will suffer, and we should fully expect that famine will be more likely, and the health of our crops and the health of our cattle will suffer as well. In the Old Testament, all of the judgments were leveled on God's people, that nation of Israel, when they sinned against God. He removed his hand of blessing, and all five of those blessings were removed systematically when they refused to repent and refused to turn to God. We should expect the same thing in the United States of America. We're not better than Israel. You know, we're not above reproach. We're not above God's judgment. As Israel was judged for its wickedness, America will be judged for our wickedness. Which leads us back to the simple truth that I've been pointing out to you in recent weeks. Jesus Christ is America's hope. Amen? Jesus Christ is the answer. He always has been. He always will be. He's the answer. Therefore, when it comes to transforming our nation, the responsibility rests on the church that proclaims Jesus Christ and proclaims the good news of salvation and transformation of our hearts and minds through Christ. It's up to the church to get the word out about Jesus. It's up to the church to introduce people to Jesus because he truly is America's only hope. He truly is the answer. Remember what God said in Second Chronicles 7.14. He spoke this to Israel, but I believe he speaking it just as clearly to the church in America today. He said, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. That's what God's asking you and me as followers of Christ to do. To humble ourselves. To pray. To seek His face. To turn from our wicked ways. If we can get our nation to follow us in this endeavor, if we can pray and humble ourselves and we can get our nation to pray and humble themselves, if we can turn from our wicked ways as a church of Jesus Christ in this nation and encourage and and lead our nation in turning from their wicked ways, you better believe that God's hand of blessing can be fully upon us once again and America's days ahead could be even brighter than our days behind us. God will answer this prayer if we will pray for God to move and pray this with all of our hearts consistently. America, make no mistake about it, America is physically beautiful. 
Some of the most beautiful beaches and canyons and mountains and lakes and deserts in the world are right here in the United States. And America's founding document is beautiful. Think of those words that were penned by Thomas Jefferson there at the start of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What a God-honoring foundation to our nation's declaration of independence. Our nation is far from perfect. But I believe that our nation and its founders were guided by God. I believe our founders were guided by God to form a nation and a government that is more biblically based and less prone to corruption than any other government in the history of the world. We have the freedoms to hold our leaders accountable uh, and vote them out if they fail to lead properly. We have freedom of speech. We have freedom of religion to proclaim God's word and worship him in good conscience without fear of persecution. We have the freedom to fine-tune our justice system so there can be equal justice under the law for all people, uh, regardless of of their uh, skin color, regardless of their gender, regardless male, female, whatever, equal justice under the law. We're still working toward carrying that out to perfection, but we're closer than most. America is not perfect. It's always had its fair share of ugliness, but it continues to be beautiful in so many ways. Oh, it continues to be beautiful. And that beauty can and will grow if you and I will lead people to Jesus Christ. Once again, He is the answer. I didn't know if I was going to share this for sure or not with you today, but I want to close by sharing with you the second verse of that hymn, America the Beautiful. And this really struck me this last week as I was preparing this message. Let me share with you the actual tune that we sing today. And listen to verse 2, particularly when we get to the chorus. She penned these words, America, America, God, mend thine every flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty in law. O beautiful for pilgrim feet, whose stern impassioned stress, a thoroughfare of freedom beat across the wilderness. America, America, God mend thine every flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty in law. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, You have placed us in a beautiful nation. But Lord, we have some flaws. We have some serious flaws. And if those flaws aren't dealt with, then we have no reason to expect your blessing to stand in the days to come. Lord, we need to repent. So I pray that together right now, everyone hearing my voice, Lord, that we would in our heart of hearts say, Lord, I am sorry. And I say I'm sorry on behalf of our nation. Lord, we are sorry 
Lord, that we allowed racism to continue for so many years in this nation. Have mercy and forgive us. Lord, we are sorry that we allowed our nation to institute abortion on demand way back in 1973. We allowed that tragedy, that disgrace to continue. Lord, we're sorry. We're sorry that we allowed our leaders to take prayer and Bible reading out of schools. We're sorry that we allowed our leaders to pull the Ten Commandments out of courthouses and out of schools. We're sorry, Lord, that we acquiesced to a complete redefining of marriage. Lord, for thousands of years, cultures around the world have recognized the truth that marriage is between one man and one woman. And when our nation suddenly changed that, we didn't put up much of a fuss, Lord. We just acquiesced to it. Forgive us, O Lord, for corrupting your plan and purpose for marriage. Father, forgive us for our sexual sin. Forgive us, O God, for our moral sin. Forgive us for the ways that we have turned from you and pushed you aside and failed to live out that high calling that was given to us by our founding fathers to have you as sovereign Lord of this land. Lord, we want to once again be able to say, God, you are Lord of this nation. So we pray, O God, that you would take hold of your church first and set your people on fire. May we, Lord, in the church be righteous. May we live out your ideals. May we live out your commands and in turn set a good example for the rest of our nation to do the same. And I pray if there's anyone listening today, Lord, who is struggling with sin, I pray, O God, that they would come to you humbly and say, Lord, forgive me and help me to overcome, Lord, this disgrace that I've been taking part in. And I pray for those that need to accept you as Lord and Savior that today they would make that decision to admit that they are sinners, to believe that you died on the cross for their sins and will forgive them if they ask, and that they would choose, Lord, to follow you today and for the rest of their life as their Savior and as their Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would be with everyone here that makes that decision, that they would reach out to us today, that they would allow us to pray with them, and they would set up a time with us to get baptized, to let the whole world know they're serious about following you as Lord and Savior. We love you, Lord. Be with our nation as we celebrate this Independence Week. Protect us, guide us, and restore righteousness in this land for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you have a wonderful independence uh, celebration this next weekend. Uh, Please help share this message with others. It's such an important message for people today. If we can pray with you, be a blessing to you in any way, uh, please just reach out to us at the phone number below. I'll reach out to our church office or text or message us uh, on uh, Facebook uh, or on live.greater. We'd love to reach out and be a blessing to you if we can. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.